the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Living paycheck to paycheck, are you? It's a little surprising how many people are. 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, so inflation is still squeezing their budgets pretty darn hard. The S&P 500 is trying to go for five days in a row to kill off a bad taste that August put on our mouth and to maybe set up for end-of-the-year rally. Fun strats, Tom Lee said the S&P 500 is about to take off in a month-long rally that will retest its 2023 high. He's an interesting dude. I love people who talk markets, but when he talks markets, he also looks incredibly stylish. Great hair, great suits. Just throwing that down there for you. Just throwing that down there for you. Let's talk about what we saw yesterday and what we're going to see today. That's how I like to start this show. The Nasdaq yesterday was up one half of 1%. The S&P 500 up one third of 1%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 10 basis points or one tenth of a percent. Apple was a big outsized winner yesterday. So when you think NASDAQ, you think Apple, right? NASDAQ was up one half a percent. Apple was up almost 2%. What's it tell us? No, it doesn't tell us that there's a cat in the room. Tells us that Apple and the mega cap stocks are favored and people want to own them when they slip. Maybe. That's what I'm reading into it. We're in that weird world where bad news is good news. We talked about this yesterday. If we think the Fed's going to like it, i.e. anything that looks like job losses or inflation coming down, we're going to be like, that's good news. And we're going to jump in the stock market before we get that all clear side. Or maybe we just don't know what else to do with our t- afternoon. And we just invest in stocks, hoping they all go higher. Hurricane Adalia pummels Florida in the southeast. Shocking to see, right? You see pictures of Florida and you think, ah, palm trees and uh, lush vegetation. You don't think of roads covered in eight inches, nine inches of rain. <laughs> Storm was the strongest to hit the sparsely populated area of southeast of Tallahassee in 125 years. Record-breaking storm surge, maximum sustained winds of 125 miles an hour. That's a good win, 125 miles per hour. President Biden called the governors of Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina and South Carolina to assure them the federal government would be there to aid in their recovery. Last year, Hurricane Ian, a deadly storm, caused nearly $100 billion worth of damage in the area. 
insurance brokers predicted that any major hurricane hitting the state and moving into the southeast would constitute a multi-billion dollar insurance industry event. Farmers insurance stopped issuing new home, auto, and umbrella policies in the state in July. Bankers insurance and AIG subsidiary Lexington insurance have also retreated from offering new policies in Florida. While AAA said it would not renew some policies in risky areas. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the storm. I, I'm, I'm not stunned by this, but we'd already talked about it earlier this week. 12% of homeowners don't have home insurance at all. Like it's a luxury, like a health insurance. And insurance is there to cover things you can't afford to lose, like your health and like your home. That's the first lesson of the day. Insure what you can't afford to lose. Health officials are urging reclassification of marijuana as a low-risk drug. Leaders of the Department of Health and Human Services urge the Drug Enforcement Agency to ease restrictions on marijuana in a view, letter viewed by Bloomberg. Weed is currently considered a Schedule 1 abuse. Schedule 1 substance. This would not legalize the drug as many states have done, but it would bring down some of the barriers in the cannabis industry is facing, such as being barred from banks. So sucks. And the industry rose yesterday on that news. Earlier this week, I did a story on this air about how marijuana, the only good investment so far in it has been Quest Diagnostics. Testing at work to see if you are high. And then later in the week, this comes along. I'm like, huh. Is that bad timing on my part, or is that just a coincidence? Mitch McConnell did that stroke freeze thing again yesterday. Are we, are we ever going to have a conversation? Like, we, we age gate alcohol, we age gate service in the military. Are we ever going to age gate being a politician? Or is that me being racist or abusive or discriminatory I don't know I don't know don't want to go there oh what else do we have to hit drug stores and drug stores are starting to sell Narcon over the counter for the first time you're going to be able to purchase an overdose reversal drug that's as easy to administer as Flonase it's a nasal spray Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, Rite Aid, they're all beginning selling two boxes of Narcon. A nasal spray that saves people from opioid overdoses. Don't know how I feel about that. Don't know if I'll ever buy one for my home. I have two children. I'm in the mindset, won't ever happen to my kids, but it certainly happens to other people's, right? How wrong am I? This is not going to help one-fifth of the people with opioid use disorder who are uninsured. Some government harm reduction programs give out Narcan for free. And those groups can now order two-dose boxes in bulk at a discounted price of $41 a box. So that's pricey. You tell a drug user, a hard drug user, 
do you want to have some Narcon in the house or do you want to have more drugs in the house? I don't know what the answer to that one. A lot going on, is there not? Let's turn the page and try to look at today. Well, we have a minute or two. Today is the last day of August. Stocks are jumping. The NASDAQ is up 3.2% for the week, but it's down 2.3% for the month. In the end, I don't care about day-to-day, and I really don't care about month-to-month. I care about year-over-year. And really, as I get older, I don't remember what happened 22 years ago. I know we were in a bull market. Salesforce. He reported better than expected results. It issued third and quarter guidance in 2024 guidance above expectations. Personal income increased two tenths of a percent month over month in July. Personal spending jumped eight tenths of a percent month over month. On a year-over-year basis, the inflation reading moved in the wrong direction. The PCE price index was up 3.3% versus 3% in June. Key takeaway is that we're going to have an uptick in the year-over-year inflation readings. Wall Street won't like that when that happens. The Fed's not going to be cutting interest rates anytime soon, is what I take away from it. Um, And that stands until we see that number come down. You can find me online if we're spending. The Fed's not going to cut interest rates, is the bottom line. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Taylor Swift did it again. She's got the highest grossing tour of all time. On October 13, which, correct me if I'm wrong, a little over a month away, her Eras tour is going to be on the big screen in North America for a limited experience. It's going to play the nation's largest theaters, AMC, Regal, and Cinemark. Um, they're make, they made a movie of it. I don't know how to feel about this. It's going to sell out. It's going to sell out fast. Don't get mad at me, old people. She's as big as Beatlemania. Two people that are much younger than you. Apple is reportedly testing 3D printing technology to make the chassis, or is it chassis, of its Apple Watch Series 9. Company has not yet been able to mass produce 3D printed aluminum enclosures. Apple intends to apply the 3D printing process to the next iteration of its titanium enclosed Apple Watch Ultra sometime next year. Apple plans to source both recycled aluminum or steel for use in the enclosures. Recycled aluminum use has already become relatively standard for Apple. About 60% of all aluminum used in the products came from recycled sources, with many products using 100% recycled aluminum. 3D printing would reduce both the time needed to make the device and the amount of material being used. Earlier, I mentioned this crazy statistic that 61% of American adults say they're living paycheck to paycheck and that inflation's hurting them. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, absolutely inflation's hurting you. 
I am fortunate enough to have created wealth. Otherwise, I would be stressed out of my mind being a father. Some 70% of Americans admit to being stressed about their finances. 45% of adults said that they have an emergency fund. 26% said that they have less than 5000 saved. 58% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. That's a humbling number in my book. Was reading on NVIDIA yesterday. I own shares of NVIDIA. I say that for disclosure reasons. I don't particularly want you to own NVIDIA. As if it fails, you're going to blame me. But one analyst yesterday, Rosenblatt Securities, they set a Wall Street high of $1,100 for NVIDIA after its strong second quarter earnings report, representing potential upside of 125% from the close this week. They've had an epic print of their earnings two quarters in a row. It's big business. And when competition catches them, it's going to go from hyper growth to growth. That move from hyper growth when no one else is doing what they're doing. With the hopper. The L40S, the Grace Hopper. It, it creates incredible inflections on a year over year basis. But when competition comes in. It goes from incredible to eh, that's pretty good. I look at four times of the stock. There's hyper growth. There's growth. There's growth in income. And then there's income. You understand the hyper growth. Revenue is exploding. You understand the growth in income. Revenue is doing very well. We're going to return some of that to the shareholders. Now, income is we're not really growing that much. We're going to give some of uh, we're going to give a little bit more to our shareholders. NVIDIA is nowhere near there. Will they get there in our lifetime? Intel kind of feels like a, a, a teeny tiny little bit of growth and a little bit of income. That's even a bad example. Maybe Cisco is a better example of growth and income. Uh, but eventually some stocks do become income stocks. Rosenblatt's $1,100 price target, seeing unconstrained 2025 earnings per share, unconstrained. It's currently got a reasonable 40 times price to earnings multiple, and Tesla has a 50 times price to earnings um, valuation for 2024. You know, which one's worse? Tesla's technically riskier on a P basis except for electric car penetrations are rising, but so are AI chip embedded solutions. Tesla's got some competition for sure. Oh man, I'm hearing just crazy stuff about the uh, Cybertruck. Just throwing that down there for you. I'm hearing cr- like uh, it's smudgy. Have you ever had a uh, stainless steel refrigerator and you, you, you clean it on Monday 
And then your kids come home from school and it's just smudged everywhere within an hour. Supposedly, the Cybertruck is really, really smudgy. And because it's got bent metal, um, it's going to be prone to warp. That's that could really, really, really piss off investors. So fun strat, Tom Lee, I talked about how I think he's a stylish looking man. He says the SP 500 is about to recover its August losses in a rally. He listed four reasons. The economy is cooling off. Okay, that's interesting. The Fed's aggressive interest rate hikes over the last year and a half are working to cool the economy. He noted the number of job openings fell to 8.8 million, down from 9.5 million. That's good news for equities as the Fed has cited a tight job market to justify its interest rate hikes. He says reason number two, the market's going higher. The Fed won't hike interest rates. So the economy is cooling off and the Fed won't hike interest rates. Markets are already priced in low odds. The Fed will hike rates again in September. He predicted those bets will be slashed altogether, thinking that the glide path of falling inflation and labor market strength One. should downshift the inflation expectations. Markets are now pricing a 91% chance the Fed will keep interest rates level at September. And that could be a sign like that's a good thing. Investors were too bearish in August is his number three opinion. He thinks that's a contrarian indicator that a lot of people on CNBC and Bloomberg television went on and said, you know, we've had such a great run in the stock market. We're due for a cool off. <clears throat> but earnings are rising and that's kind of kind of killing that argument. And number four, September is historically a strong month for stocks. I've heard it both ways on this one. Stocks have historically been weak in August and typically rebound in September. Since 1950, the S&P 500 risen 86% of the time in September, tacking on gains of 3.3%. You think we go higher or lower in September? Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. When the Fed goes on a interest rate hiking campaign, they tend to break something. And earlier this week, I told you that Muhammad Al-Aryan, he's an economist. He's the guy that you'll know when you see him on, I was going to say ESPN, but uh, CNBC or Bloomberg or Fox Business. He's got a little bit of a lisp. Um, with a name like Muhammad, he is got the look that he's from the Middle East. Um, as far as skin tone goes, you'll know him when you see him. But then he also talks about the Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And for some reason, financial hosts on television always ask him about that. How do you think the Jets are going to do this year? I'm like, no, talk about the economy. He said earlier this week, talking about the economy, he thinks the Fed has broken housing, supply, and demand. People don't want to sell their home because they don't want to go out and get another loan at a higher price. That makes sense. I understand that. He says he thinks the Fed broke real estate on supply and demand. 
supply not coming out right now because people are afraid of the getting a more expensive loan to replace the home they're currently in. But the demand, new buyers are being priced out. I think it's interesting that he called it. I think we've been seeing that, but he, he, he wrote it down. There was one period when I was in second grade, I played soccer from pre-kindergarten through college. And there was one year in second grade where I was on a boys girls team. And I moved around a lot in Europe. Some teams were integrated with the ladies. Some teams were not uh, before fourth grade. And there was a girl on the team, uh, Tracy. And uh, she had a fantastic last name, Sparks. Uh, So I wrote on a tree, RB plus TS carved it, you know, that kind of stupid thing. No one ever saw it. I didn't have the courage to show her. I had a crush on her. She was cool. You know, when you're second grade, you're like, it's not a sexual thing. It's, uh, she's cool. Like, I, I, I saw Sinbad the movie with her. I know you're saying the one with the claymation skeletons. Yes! Yes! Uh, turns out my older brother wanted to date her sister. Probably in a sexual way. Well, I was in the innocent way. He used me into a squeeze into that one. But the Fed has broken another thing. Oh, 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 it's Muhammad Alarian. Well, I was bringing up pretty Tracy. Uh, writing it down makes it true. And I think Muhammad Alarians wrote it down by saying the Fed has broken the housing market unintentionally. But that's a side effect. You don't want to see another side effect? UBS stock. Post record $29 billion profit as Credit Suisse integration progresses. So Credit Suisse got caught up in the higher interest rates and people taking their money out of the banks earlier this year. That was this year. Silicon Valley Bank was this year. It's funny how time fast, how time flies so fast, but at other points we're like, when did that happen? That feels like two years ago. EBS agreed to buy its longtime rival. At a fire sale price of around $3 billion Swiss francs. The deal was negotiated in March and completed in June. Offers EBS a lot of potential upside, notably the addition of Credit Suisse's bank and large wealth management business. Integrating the two operations, no easy task, especially when it has to be done immediately. But so far, their first set of results since integration has been an overall positive. Now, Charles Schwab is acquiring TD Ameritrade, not under a fire shell condition. Long planned. It's happened in the environment of the higher interest rates. I will be very interested. I don't own any Charles Schwab, but can they pull off this? Well, they didn't get TD Ameritrade at a fire sale price, but I think the Fed messed this one up, too. Um... They didn't have the rules in place to protect small banks, regional banks. And I should have called them small because they're not um, from a run on the money. And it's been a it, it, it doesn't scare me. It is in the back of my mind that I've got large amounts of cash and investments in financial institutions where I can close my account 
and wire the money out with five to six clicks. In the good old days, they're like, oh, no, you got to come in and sign paperwork. It took time. And you'd see a line of people at the bank signing paperwork saying, I want all my money. It's interesting to think about, right? Um, let's hit some more. I want to see how the stock market's doing. Because when you're going for five in a row, come on, people, you're going for five in a row. That's pretty good. Um, and you're also putting a statement on the year. August was a bad month five days ago. And now it wasn't that bad. The S&P 500 up 15. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 111. That's all both about one third of 1%. I'd rather we look at the percentages than the dollar points. The NASDAQ up 86 points. That's up six tenths of a percent. The Russell is higher. Sweet. This is getting better and better. Oil's a little bit higher. That should help the oil company's profits later this year. Oil's at 83 a barrel. Now, again, it should help their profits, which helps the stock market. But it should hurt the consumer who consumes gasoline this weekend for a long weekend. Gold is flat. I own no gold. Um, I own no bonds at this point in time. I've started picking up income stocks and probably in the next six months I will lock in some bonds haven't done it yet I've been under the thesis that when you're in your 20s 30s and 40s you don't need bonds and in fact they hurt your long term performance versus the S&P 500 but now that I'm in my 50s I still think I'm in my 40s I'm like I, I still don't want bonds but I need bonds I get it. And for the record, I do own some bonds that are professionally managed by another company that I don't know about. But it's not very much of my wealth. So the 10-year treasury sits at 4.09. At the start of the week, it was at 4.25. That's a pretty big move down. Not, not gargantuan, but enough to open the steam valve and let a little of the pressure of higher rates come out. And Wall Street says, thank you. Bitcoin's at 27,115. They've had a big week. Digital currencies, as Grayscale looks like they're going to get the ability to put together a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund that includes digital currencies. I was half asleep when I heard an interview last night on the BBC about digital currencies being added to the United States reserves of the dollar and gold. Is that a good idea? A bad idea was the question. That could move digital currencies higher. Not saying it's going to happen. Um, but if you ever get a buyer like the government, <laughs> picking up an asset, let's just say easy street is here. Medicare's drug pricing list that came out yesterday. The stocks that were mentioned 
didn't wind down. They didn't go down. I guess that was two days ago, right? But you've heard a lot about um, the 10 drugs and how they're like diabetes, two drugs, cardiovascular drugs, drugs that elderly people take, drugs that my mother took, drugs that I'll eventually take. And to hear the government's negotiating for lower prices, that would cut inflation and it would help senior citizens get their medications without having to say, do I need food or do I need my medication? I think you get the idea there. Let's move on, shall we? I like always talking a little bit of theory. You know that the job market's cooling off from some of the data we saw in the last two months, including today. Tomorrow's going to be a big day. We're going to get the jobs report. If you're not hip to history, you kind of miss out what to expect next. Inflation in the 1970s? One. Um, what did it lead to? You've heard about inflation in the 1970s, probably. You may not remember it, because remember how we thought Silicon Valley Bank happened years ago, but it happened this year? Inflation... We had the Federal Reserve in the 1970s keep trying to say, we win, we've beaten inflation, and it kept coming back with a vengeance. Even though the rate of inflation has fallen, we're still in possession of inflation psychology at this point in time. So in the 1960s, late 60s, inflation was around 2%. Then it crept up straight up to 12% in the mid-70s. And then in the mid-70s, it went from 12% inflation all the way down to 5%. Okay. But in 1977, it went from 5% all the way back up to 14% before coming back down. The 70s was a wild up and down seesaw inflation battle. Are we ready for that kind of motive and that kind of play? You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Tesla finally gets slapped around a little bit. There's two stories in the last two days that make me think it should come eventually. And as a Tesla owner, I was given one when I sold my company um, for tax reasons. I'm not in love with it. I find it to be very tricky, gimmicky. I think it's cool. It's fast. It's wonderful that we're able to hook it up to solar. Wonderful. Um, when you were paying $5, $6, $7 for gas in California, I was paying nothing because it was free off the sunshine that summer. I know you're saying you were paying something because that sunshine could have been sold back to the power utility. I get it. I get it. Trust me. But yesterday, auto regulators ordered Tesla to hand over data about a hidden autopilot mode that lets drivers stay hands-free. A software hacker who... I used to hack video games when I was 14, 15. And I was visited by the FBI, and they told me to stop it and to turn over two or three other people to squeal like a rat. And I did. I used to do two things when I was, when I was young. I was really bad. Not bad, but... How shall we say I had time on my hands and I had daddy issues that I wanted to impress them. So having the FBI knock at your door is one of them. And I had a police officer knock at my door, once named Detective Disney. 
I know you're saying that you're making that up. No, I'm not. I don't think I've told this story out air ever. So I used to do uh, phone freaking back when it's called black boxes back in the eighties when long distance was expensive. You had to pay for long distance. Um, I was able to create tones that basically dialed into phone network that dialed into sprints satellite network and allowed you to make phone calls for free. <clears throat> the only problem they knew was coming from my house. Like I was smart, but I wasn't hella smart. Anyway, a software hacker broke into Tesla and figured out that there's something called an Elon Musk mode where when autopilot says full self-driving says you got to put both hands on the wheel or one hand on the wheel. If you jiggle it just a little bit while it's set on one, as far as sensitivity goes, um, you can override it and drive hands free. Woo! And government regulators like, wait, 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 wait. Um, worthy of note. Wow. As I'm reading that story, um, just making sure I have all my details right. I'm looking at Hurricane Adalia, which I'm doing a segment on on TV this morning. I do a TV spot. You can see every TV spot that I do by going to robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. But there's two things that are really affecting Tesla. I think this investigation could lead to something. I think full self-driving mode is kind of misrepresented, and it shouldn't be charged at ten to fifteen to twenty thousand, depending on when you bought it, Uh, because it's not full self-driving. So I think it's it misleads people to think that it is. Uh, you have to have your hand on the wheel. And there's oftentimes where you will get in a car wreck if you're not paying attention. I think the Cybertruck issues, we're starting to see them being trucked out of Texas and into stores, I guess, uh, into locations to be delivered. It's a funky looking vehicle. And if you compare it side by side with other vehicles, um, that are considered trucks. You can see that like the Rivian is twice as long and it, it looks like a truck, whereas the cyber truck looks kind of like a sedan. I, any truck driver who buys the Tesla, and, and this was said by the uh, director of technology or some title at Ford a couple months ago, he said, it's not a truck. Well, we have our trucks. Ford has trucks. He said, no, no self-respecting trucker or, and again, I have a truck and I'm more of a sedan truck driver than I'm a real truck driver. Like I have a what, 150 engine, not a 350. I have the spot. Again, I have a Toyota Tacoma, so it's not even Ford F-150, 253. But I test drive the 150, 250, 350 was too much man for me. Like I, I instantly would have become a caveman. Like I would have had so much testosterone. Uh, too much for me. Um, UBS, Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley is saying, get this. And again, you can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. They're saying Bobby, Barbie, Beyonce, and Taylor Swift, now that they're winding down in the U.S., is going to have negative implications for the U.S. economy in the fourth quarter. That's fascinating. It's not necessarily true, but it's fascinating. The world's largest economy, 23 trillion, is in danger of collapse if three divas stop singing and dancing. If it takes so little to sink the U.S. economy, we're in trouble. With that, 
Taylor Swift did announce that they're making a, a movie. And if AMC had their way, it would be in, in theaters all of October instead of one or two days. That's going to sell out instantly, every location. And we're going to be doing stupid stories about it in, in October. But good for her. I'm never going to not girl power. Never, ever, never, ever, never. Um, so inflation versus deflation. You know, I was talking last segment how inflation in the 1970s went. It's a wild chart. It was at 2% for 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72. And then boom, it went to 12% from 72 to 76. And then it went down to 4% One. fast. And then at 4%, it looked around four and a half percent, five percent is what I meant to say. In 1976, I said, you know what? We're going to do it one more time because we hate disco. And it went from five percent in 1976 to 14 percent in 1980. And that's when Reagan came into office. Do you know what killed Jimmy Carter's presidency? High inflation. And the fact that Americans were kidnapped in Iran. Not kidnapped. It's not kidnapping. Held hostage is the right phrase, right? So there could be more inflation to come or there could be deflation as we deflate the inflationary bubble. We'll talk about that maybe tomorrow. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.